Welcome to What's Going Swan, episode 12. We have made it through a whole year. Delighted to be here talking to you today. As always, I'm James, Managing Director of Indigo Swan. And I'm Amy, Head of Client Relationships at Indigo Swan. And I get the pleasure of starting uh, again, as, as I always do, with our market know-how. Just running through electricity and gas prices, keeping you up to date in whether now is the right time to uh, sort out your contracts. So over the last few weeks, um, oil has seen some small daily movements, just at about $43 a barrel, which has been the average cost over the last three months. Uh, by comparison, this time last year, it's about $60 a barrel. So you can see there's quite a cost saving um, in, in oil markets, which feeds through to gas and in turn into electricity. The reason for the fall is a lack of confidence in growth in the global economy and coronavirus. No and surprise there. It's everything we've been talking about for most of 2020, quite frankly. So we have had a turn in the weather. It's got a bit colder. So gas prices have been pressured there. Um, so it's been used more to power, to, to do the electricity generation. Um, but there has been some supply outages because of maintenance and some strikes over in Norway, Ooh. which would lead lovely into our own opinion piece in a minute. Um, the storage levels are quite high, um, but LNG deliveries have been disrupted also because of maintenance. So it's been a little bit of a sticky month um, in, in various days. We've seen some very low levels of renewables, uh, with solar and wind accounting just for 13% of electricity generation, whereas the average over the last 12 months, as we've been doing the podcast, it's been about 25%. So it is quite a big fall. Um, yeah. As a result, we've had to put more gas on the system. Just over half of the electricity generated is from gas. Um, and coal has had a teeny weeny resurgence. So it's up from its normal 0.5 um, to around about 2%. And that's affected prices as well. Uh, the Met Office forecast for the next two weeks is unsettled with milder temperatures. There you go. Short and sweet this time. But this these unsettled uh, weeks ahead means that there's the potential for strong wind. We might get um, more renewable generation on, on the system, uh, which will then uh, lead to cheaper prices, which is great. Um, so all in all, it's a bit of a mixed bag. We've got oil prices that are lower, but we have got a little bit of a resurgence in, in gas and electricity, which is kind of the trend that we normally see at this time of year. Um, Prices rising into uh, the winter uh, just to cover off any security of supply risks, really. And that kind of leads on really nicely to what I wanted to talk about today, which is really geeky. I do apologize. It's like proper energy nerd stuff. Um, but there's a story from the BBC about the latest cross-channel electricity link. Ooh, uh, very excited. Please, please, yeah. Can we just put, sorry, please carry on listening. <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. keep It will be interesting. There'll be such, you know, such factual terms as uh, teeny weeny. Yeah, teeny weeny. I know it's like all, all stuff. But this is not the teeny weeny supply. Um, the IFA two interconnector, very snappily titled, mm. will deliver over one percent of Britain's electricity needs. And um, this is a story from the BBC, who've got the information directly from National Grid. Um, it's going to be a two-way cable uh, that can import cheap electricity from France, but also export um, as and when needed. And if you can believe it, it is the fourth of 12 planned interconnectors to the continent. Blimey. It's a, a pretty massive thing. So National Grid have said that it's going to give the UK better access to France's nuclear and renewable sources. So that's why we're, we're able to get these slightly uh, rates. Um, and they've actually said that he feels, uh, John Butterworth of, of National Grid, um, feels that 
the interconnector will help the UK's net zero target. Well, even if we're even if we're using nuclear from another country. Yeah, so I'm not really sure about that. I'm not too sure if this is the right thing to do because um, no. nuclear nuclear is good as a base load. Yeah, is technically low carbon, uh, but then there is that whole controversy around well, what do you do with everything else that 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 nuclear reactors produce so all of the radioactive material and things um in my mind can we say that this contributes to net zero i think for me net zero is more about renewables uk-based renewables and get yeah. more investment in 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 things over here but obviously we've been you know we've been going on harping on about this government's been harping on about this for a long time you know net zero targets you know something indicates one is obviously wanting to help promote and stuff like that be more green etc what Obviously, they've gone off that a long time. What, why, why do you feel now they're looking at these alternatives as far as you know going out to Europe and sourcing energy from from elsewhere? Should we not be focusing our attentions on you know the wind, tidal, etc. within our own country? Yes, yes, we should. Um, the reason to have interconnection with Europe is is really about security of supply. It yep. is for those days where, quite simply. The wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine. Um, <laughs> We've had a few of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tidal is a little bit different. It's still quite a, a new technology. It can be harnessed in a cost-effective way. The UK has basically got an unlimited resource. We're an island. Why don't we maximise you know, the use of tidal and, 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 and coastal um, renewables in that way? But we have got this growth in solar and this growth in, in offshore wind in particular. But it is still quite expensive. It's quite not unreliable. It's unpredictable. Um, whereas having a link to to Europe directly, um, a, a physical cable interlinking the two um, national electricity networks, that just offers a little bit more reassurance that that the lights will stay on. So we've got an aging electricity system in the in the UK. There's been a lot of um, real significant investment in in recent years and having this interconnection will help but i don't know if it's being done at the expense of you know investing more in in uk renewable do you think do you think people do you think you know joe public on the street do you think they care enough about it i think they care about the security of supply i think they care about the the cost of what they pay i don't think they care about where it's from no Uh, i don't think they care if it's well, most of the public probably wouldn't want it to to return back to real polluting coal. Oh, no, you're not. Um, I, I'm not sure people are necessarily too worried about nuclear in France. Nuclear <laughs> um, no. yeah, in the UK is quite controversial, but for most of the public, as long as it's affordable and when they turn the lights on or put the kettle on, they can. I, I'm not sure people really are, are that are that interested, which is a shame. Yeah, what, what do you think we can do? What do you think, you know, I mean, obviously, companies like ourselves, energy suppliers, et cetera, we can all do our bit. What What do you think we need to do more of as a country to, to make people more aware, um, to make them help, help them make maybe better choices when it comes to, you know, the environment and things like that? I think people have to make it more interesting. I think yeah. people switch off when they talk about energy because because it's something, electricity itself, it's nothing that you can see you can't feel it. You can't get to grips with it. The, the public in general don't really get it. Um, it 
the case of can I switch my lights on when I want to? Great. That's about the level of interest that I've got in electricity and gas. <laughs> I understand. I completely get. Um, I think there's been a real big push on trying to make like the smart meter rollout in particular more interesting, more engaging. Yeah. Um, I, th- I feel like that has kind of fallen a bit on on deaf ears as well. Um, it's kind of a bit gimmicky. It's kind of gone too far the other way. Um, I think having um, good quality advice from from TPIs, good quality advice from suppliers, um, you know, stories that the BBC in particular and, and other news agencies cover in a more engaging way would be maybe more more interesting but um I, I think there's still a long way to go to kind of um <laughs> make the industry a bit sexier it's just a bit dull at the moment isn't it really i like that yeah well, well we'll try you know indigo swell making <laughs> the industry sexy you know, <laughs> yeah it's one at a time yeah um, i think you make a great point about it not being visual i think that's something that we can all maybe work on and look at because you know if you go back to something else environmental sort of single-use plastic and things like that um that's obviously very visual you yeah. know you you see the stuff washing up on the beaches you know you see the litter in certain cities stuff like that that's obviously very visual to people and obviously able to go yeah that is a problem you know we can do something about that but obviously as you said with the with the energy sources and things like that that's that's not visual people can't see that like you say if you turn your kettle on you're happy yeah exactly i think unless you live near a power station be it be it gas be it nuclear be it offshore wind oh been timed out i think unless you live near them or you're directly employed within the industry i just don't think the public necessarily gets it which is a real shame so it's, um, yeah. it's so important to um to the future of of the uk and and having a good environment to live in really amazing amy there it is episode 12 a powerful message it's now time for that part of the show where we meet the swan and today we are joined by the wonderful Jenny who is a client services enthusiast. Jenny, welcome. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Did you want to explain to the listeners a little bit about what you do day to day? Yeah, sure. So I work in client services team. Um, I handle all of the data gathering for our clients' accounts. So that's contacting suppliers for information, and then I enter it into our system. Um, I also handle all of our supply terminations. I log meter readings and any other little queries that might pop up. Amazing. That was a a very good, thorough summary. (laughs) One one of the best, I think. One of the best. Oh, thanks. It's good to know. It's good to know you know what you do, Jen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which helps. Which helps. So uh, obviously we've been uh, we've been working from home now seven months in. Yeah. Um, so I suppose starting off with with getting to know you a little bit more. How how, how have you found that, and uh, and what have you learned during the last seven months about yourself? Yeah, I mean to be honest, like it has. I mean, I've had my ups and downs, obviously, but it hasn't affected me too much. Like in a negative way, I'm quite a homebody, so um, I do enjoy being at home, which is good. Um, yeah, it's just basically keeping myself busy. Um, you know, get out when I can um, during lockdown and stuff, you know, did some more baking, um, which I never really enjoyed in the past. Um, so that was a good thing. And just, yeah, I just kind of kept myself busy with little DIY things around the house, things like that. So it's good. That's great. And um, I, I've obviously noticed and take the mickey out of you quite a lot, your your attempts at British accents, because, you know, 
You've spent some time abroad, haven't you, Jen? Yeah, I mean, they're not attempts. I'm not trying to fake it, but I think, (laughs) you know, um, so yeah, like I'm originally from Norwich and then living in Canada for over 20 years. I won't say the exact amount because I don't want to give away my age. Yeah, so, you know, my parents are English and then coming back and seeing family all the time and everyone's English. And now that I'm back full time, I'm surrounded by nothing but you know British people so it's going to kind of pop in and out at times I think <laughs> I just love to fill the Canadian twang on oot. yeah I know well, I think everyone thinks I'm Irish Irish interesting yeah, and I think it's just, I think it's just they have no idea they have no idea what I am so they just kind of go she's Irish <laughs> I love it you're bringing the international to our to Indigo Swan Gen so I'm a yeah glad I can big help. fan yeah, big yeah. fan <laughs> Uh, and you talked you talked a little bit about baking um, during, during lockdown. Um, obviously, we, we've talked a bit on the podcast about how things like baking and cooking can be quite good for people's well-being. And like that. Um, as well as baking, is there anything else that you've been doing to sort of look after your well-being during the last seven months? Yeah, just kind of keeping a normal routine, really. Um, going for walks all the time. Um, I got a car during lockdown, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so learn how to drive over here, um, which is great because during lockdown, there weren't that many people on the road. So it definitely helped. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of getting out, um, going to the coast, going for little drives, doing things like that. So just kind of doing my normal routine, really, just getting out and about and just keeping myself busy. Great stuff. You've been part of the team. What are we at now? Two and a half? Yeah. 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 Going quickly. Just absolutely mad. Um, yeah. You know, the last seven months, is, as we've said, has been a bit weird, been at home. But what's your funniest memory of working at Indigo Swan? Yeah, I mean, there's tons. I mean, there's definitely been times in the office that I've actually had to leave the office because I'm just uncontrollably laughing. <laughs> um, but I guess one that sticks out is Leanne and I decorating Lee Ratcliffe's desk for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Definitely a highlight. I mean, wrapping everything down to his shoes um so that was yeah that was pretty entertaining and then I think the best part was just watching him an hour later still trying to unwrap everything <laughs> <laughs> it was it wasn't it was an amazing moment I don't think he knew whether to laugh or cry to be fair yeah, I know. amazing yeah it was great it was great if you haven't seen guys then if you go on to I think it's on the Indigo Swan Instagram account go back to last Christmas and, and you will see exactly what uh, exactly what Jen's talking about so one of the questions we ask everybody which I think is quite an interesting one is that is there a movie that you feel everyone else has seen like a classic that you have not that everyone's seen that I haven't um well I've seen it now but up until a couple months ago I had never watched the Die Hard films oh Okay. Yeah. So I think that was quite embarrassing. So um, yeah, I haven't seen the fourth one, but I've seen the first three. Well, there you go. But you've, you've you've caught up now, so you're good. You're doing better than me. I've only seen Die Hard one. Well, that's another thing. That's another thing, though, Amy. Um, I haven't seen all the Harry Potters. <gasps> oh, that's even worse. I know. Saying that, saying that, I've not watched the Harry Potter until last year. Oh, okay. That's surprising. Yeah, no, then I then I watched them all. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, enjoyed. Because too many Harry Potter fans in the office to get away with not seeing them, to be fair. Die Hard is basically just an adult version of Harry Potter anyway, because it is Alan Rickman as the baddie running around. <laughs> that is true. The franchise, so you know. There you go. Uh, very important question now, Jen, uh, Jenny. Prepare yourself. Uh, would you rather have ca- scales or fur? Right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So I'm going to go with scales because um, even though I get really, really cold, I also got, get really, really hot. Um, and sometimes, a bit too much information, but sometimes when I get really, really hot, I tend to, you know, when you can't get like your jumper or your coat off quick enough and you start to panic. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like if I was covered in fur, that probably wouldn't go over too well. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with scales. Love it. Love yeah. it. Amazing. Great answer. Good. Great answer. The best amount of detail we've been given as well. So I love it. And uh, what, what, what do you love most about working at Indigo Swan, Jen? The swans. Amazing. Simple. Yeah. It's just the people. It's just, um, you know, it's just a happy place to be. And I love coming into work and seeing everyone and just having a good laugh. Love it. If you could pick up a new skill in an instant, what would it be? A new skill. Um, cooking. Yeah. I'm not. I don't enjoy it um, and I'm not, well, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not good at it because I don't really cook. So I might actually be really great at it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I probably, I have thought about even taking cooking classes just to learn some. Oh, you should. Skills. Yeah. Cause I might, I might really, cause that's the thing with baking. Like I never liked it and now I do from doing it during lockdown. So it, it could be the same for cooking. Amazing. There's lots of good online, good online cooking courses at the moment. Seems to be taken up quite a bit. Yeah. So I should do that. So you've, you've been at home, you've been baking, you do uh, lots of other bits and pieces, you've got a new car. Uh, have you got two essential items that you have found during lockdown? One would be my phone, just because it's kept me connected with everybody. Um, you know, just whether it be texting or FaceTime calls and stuff, and it's um my friends even back home in Canada we started nice. to every Sunday have um FaceTime calls or Zoom calls with everyone so there's 15 of us on one call um so yeah that's definitely been an essential um and the second thing it's not yeah I mean it's an everyday thing but my TV okay it's yeah it's it's been pretty good during lockdown I'm watching you know some good sitcoms and and things like that so yeah. Love it. What is your go-to binge box set? Oh, Friends. Yeah. Always. All the time. I could watch it every day. But that's the thing. During lockdown, I mean, if you ever just kind of need to get away from things and hide away and just cheer yourself up, I just kind of would put Friends on. Favourite friend? Um, Ross and good. and Rachel, definitely. Good. Strong choice. Good old Ross. Ross is a hugely underrated friend. Well, he is. And he was for years. But then... He did win the Comedy Central poll they did the, the other year when they asked everyone to vote for their favourite friend. And I felt there was some justice in this world when, when Ross won that vote. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, Absolute legend. Absolute legend. Uh, so going on to your musical tastes, Jen, this could be interesting. Um, what's the first album that you ever bought? Um, Paula Abdul, Spellbound. Oh, my word. <laughs> what an answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is outstanding. What a classic. <laughs> Shout out to Paula Abdul. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I even tried to learn some of her dance moves. Oh, my word. Jenny, that is incredible. <laughs> what, what was your favourite song on that album? Uh, Straight Up. Or you've got He's a Cold-Hearted Snake. Oh, look at her rattling off these absolute hits. Or you've, or you've got Rush, which had Keanu Reeves in the music video. Oh my good my days! Do you know what I'm? You know I'm going to try and get Paula Abdul to retweet this. 
That's my aim. Paula, if you're listening, big wee tweet. <laughs> Jen has just brought you back to the masses. People are now going to be going out and finding this album. It's going to be amazing. I don't know if I know it. I feel like, oh, uh, I feel like you need to, to sing a bit for me. I know Jen. Paula Abdul. She did that one about the cat. I don't think I know that one. Oh, uh, what was it? Opposites Attract? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to sing for you, Amy. But... Oh, right. <laughs> we, 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 we're ignoring that timer just because I know there's one question we have to ask. But um, as, as I don't think we're going to get Jen to sing any Paul Abdul, sadly. Oh, okay. Amy, do you, want, do you want to ask a killer question? I will. It is by far the most important pe- question on the podcast. It's, it's why people listen. <laughs> it, is, it is extremely important. Jenny... Can you rank these forms of potato from worst to first? And your choices are baked potato, mashed potato, fries, boiled potato, roast potato. Right. Um, this is very serious. You do have those in Canada, right? You, you, you know what all of them are, yeah? Yeah, so a little demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, um, the, Jenny's fact is I actually eat raw potatoes. What? What? <laughs> not right. like, Hang on. Not Game a lot changer. of them. Game changer. In that case, Jenny, you can have raw, <laughs> baked, mash, fries, boiled, and roast. Yeah. And okay. put them from the worst to the first. Right. So worst would be boiled. Yeah. But, I mean, that's this is when we know our levels of we know how bad boiled are. When yeah. they become they come below raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um second to last would be bait. Oh my days. Raw's I mean, up high. I do love a bait with beans, but yeah. Um then I would have to say roast. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this going? Oh no, I forgot we had raw in there, didn't we? Okay. Um so I'd maybe do I'd maybe do no, I'll keep it the same. So I'll do roast and then probably raw. Yeah. And then Jenny, what what why are you eating raw potatoes? Okay, it's not like I eat them a lot of them. Right. But as a kid, whenever my mum would be cooking potatoes, um, and she'd peel it first and wash it, but then she would just give me one to snack on. And then the thing is is that it's a family thing. My mum eats them and her mum ate them. Um, everyone else and my dad and everyone thinks it's absolutely disgusting, but yeah, they're 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 quite good. So I I just maybe have you know one little one, but they're really good. <laughs> right, I I'm I'm absolutely stunned. So we are, just a confirmation for where we are currently. We've got boiled, which expected, mm-hmm. baked, roast, then raw. <laughs> so, Wow. So, Jenny, you, you've got, well, that, I think, well, you've got fries and mash left. Oh, yeah. So I said mash and then fries. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was the best uh, best part of ranking a potato we've ever done. I feel like I'm going to start telling everyone that. No, it's, no, don't worry. Don't worry. If anyone Honestly, would like to send Jenny some raw potatoes. Yeah, don't judge. Go away and, and, and try one. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, raw potatoes are welcome for delivery at Millennium Plain and night. <laughs> Jenny will happily receive them as long as they're peeled. Yeah, and washed. And washed. Well, 
Jen, thank you ever so much. It's been, thank it's you. been. I don't, I won't lie. Absolutely fantastic having you on. I've loved it. I very much enjoyed it, and I've actually learned a lot about you <laughs> from this <laughs> ten minutes. Um, so yeah, so thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's now time for the partner show where we welcome our special guest. So today I am delighted to uh, bring to you guys David Buist, Business Development Director of Source Code Studio. David, hello and welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Lovely to have you here. Lovely to have you here. Did you want to start by maybe just introducing yourself um, a little bit about what you do and, and what Source Code Studio do? Yeah, of course. Um, so as Business Development Director, um, I work with clients very, very closely to understand their technology needs, software needs, and in some cases, um, down to a very basic level of apps, websites, that kind of thing. Um, invariably, you're working with a client to visualize what they want to try and achieve for their future. Um, so really, really fascinating part of the role, uh, really engaging and thoroughly enjoy it. Amazing. So we're with the apps, obviously apps are you know, they're, they're, they're a big thing now. Um, you know, there's people coming out with new apps all the time. What would you say is the biggest mistake you see businesses make when they're looking to embark on their, their app journey, so to speak? I think the most obvious one for me is the small amount of perceived knowledge that customers have. Um, they use apps every day. They're in part of their everyday life now. So the perception is they're very simple and easy to do. Um, and then that then runs into unrealistic budgets and timeline expectations. You know, It's just an app. It's nice and simple. It can't be that difficult. <laughs> yeah. in, in fairness you'd never ask a builder to build you a wall the next day or the next week um, a builder would typically suck some air through their teeth and say well i'll come back to you in spring when the weather's better and we just accept that you know that's fine but if you're speaking to a web developer or an app developer people tend to struggle to understand the concept of time and to get to simple and this is the biggest failing to get to simple you've got to do really really complex um, and I'll, I'll, come, I'll come on to some of that later, but um, realistically speaking, it's usually the unrealistic budget and timelines, coupled with the small amount of knowledge that people think they have. Um, and it's really hard sometimes to bring real, realism and realistic expectations to bear for some people. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it just sounds um, like a challenge because, yeah, absolutely right with the with the the most simple apps probably have the most complicated background and uh, yeah it's uh, something that I think us end users just take for granted really with your team you're going to have quite a lot of technically minded people I guess and uh, you know there's this perception that maybe they're they're not that great in in social interactions which I think is unfair so I know a lot of technically minded people that are very chatty and friendly um but how does your how does your, how does the culture uh, feel at, at source code are you quite a close-knit team are you quite forward thinking what is it that, that makes you guys so special um a bit of everything really i mean to to give them a broad brush overview they are passionate about um technology and, and growth and development of the sphere they work in they're gamers um be that on your phone an ipad a laptop a pc whatever any sort of gaming at all um they're mu musicians they're dog owners they're parents they're, you know everything <laughs> in that world all comes together um some of them are a little bit challenged in the social environment i'll be honest um but they'll be the first to admit that that's not really their thing yeah however you bring in a team sport be that an escape room or laser tag or paintballing or anything like that they're absolutely alongside you absolutely love wow. it the client interaction though for some for some developers can be difficult because 
they're used to talking and thinking in code yeah. um, in zeros and ones. And that's really hard to translate into English. <laughs> um, and in some <laughs> scenarios, it's really hard to get the point across. And the frustration can build in a developer trying to do that. But the rest of the team come together to build this kind of core culture of family um, and each support each other, which is really nice to see. And you even have your, your office dog, don't you, adding adding to the culture of talking just just at the start. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Sophie's a big part of the team. You, you, you start you start something there, Amy. You'll be badgering for an office <laughs> again to start that conversation up. <laughs> you sort of touched upon there that you know, like I say, the zeros, the ones, people not necessarily understanding it, and um, and stuff like that. Obviously, COVID nineteen has forced some businesses to 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 think a little bit outside the box, to be thinking a bit more digitally. Well, what do you think the biggest challenge has been? for those businesses and individuals that you're working with that are maybe more used to sort of traditional methods? Well, this has been a very interesting hot topic, really, for the past, I would say, three months, especially. Um, and what, what I mean by that is the acceptance that the world has changed essentially overnight. It's not a change that they can influence. Mm. They can't put it off to next year. They have to have the realization that business needs to modernize. And it's got to accept that just because a member of your team, for example, isn't in the office every day now, it doesn't mean they're not productive. You don't want to become big brother and, and watching what people are doing remotely. But leaders, I'm finding, are looking to the future with a very positive mindset. And those who are engaging with it now are accepting the fact that they have to change their ways. Yeah. Um, and for them to be successful in the year ahead or beyond, they've got to adopt technology now. You know, the, the catch up over a coffee is now electronic. It's not, you know, at a cafe in your office or similar or in the, in the tea break room. It's now... Yeah online through various online meeting platforms it's a very different way of working for many people and that's the hardest challenge is the change has happened so fast the hand has been forced and we've got to think differently um, and more traditionalist business owners are finding that difficult but they're getting there slowly but surely and how did you guys at source code studio adapt in in early lockdown was it something that you guys were already aligned with and you're okay to move remotely or did you have to make any any changes no, we were already aligned to it, as you'd expect. Um, our guys yeah. work remotely. We, we measure people on output, not that the hours sat at your desk. Um, there's nothing worse. <laughs> um, the output of, of successful project delivery is the key for us, whether you do it here, sat on a beach in Portugal, uh, or uh, you're, here, you're at home on the kitchen table. It really is right for the individual. Um, the only key thing we had to really consider was occupational health making sure people had time yeah. for regular breaks. Did they have the right equipment um, for working at home, maybe full-time rather than just part-time? Um, keeping that complete flexibility available for everyone. And a real advantage to that has been the buy-in from everyone in the team. It's been solidified now. So, it's yeah, it's been fine for us, really. That's great to hear. And, and in, in addition to obviously making the, the working from home even better, have there been any other positives to come out of lockdown for you, either personally or, or for source code? Um, well, both really. I mean, and a big thing for me is people uh, and people in our team. Um, so retention of every single member of our staff um, who've been working hard to create business stability. Um, it's great to celebrate with them the fact that everyone's still here. We haven't lost anyone, haven't needed to lose anyone. We've got several client projects underway already during the lockdown period uh, and more coming, um, which is allowing us to actually expand the team, which is even better. Um, we've recently appointed a, a new web development junior who's been searching for work for six months. Um, and we saw his CV, we snapped him up. Um, he's been in the office for all of two days 
and now he's home based permanently. So uh, he doesn't have to commute here, but he's learning and developing alongside the team. So for me, that's a massive positive that we can still continue to invest in the company yeah. moving forward. Yeah, and that's amazing, isn't it? That's a great to be in a position where you can continue to invest uh, mm. and, like you say, grow the team and the expertise internally. Um, yeah. In this day and age, everyone likes to think they're a bit of an expert as well, to be fair, in everything. Um, <laughs> I think that's fair to say sometimes. Um, obviously, you might have that a little bit. People have obviously come to you because, you know, you are the pros, you know what you're talking about. However, I can imagine there might be some times where clients have a different idea. Um, so when you, you know, when you don't see eye to eye with clients or when, when you do have disagreements, how, how do you overcome those types of conversations? The best way for me is honesty versus politeness. Um, yeah. If yeah. we like it, we'll tell you. If we don't, we'll tell you. Yeah. Um, and we, we ask for the same in return. You know, development time for a client is precious. And to waste it with disagreements is of no use to anyone. Um, project scoping at the very outset is imperative to remove any objections, manage expectations. Um, and before a wheel is turned, so to speak, um, we all agree on what that storyboard looks like. And there will be changes of direction on, on occasion. But the worst thing for us to do would be to start a project on day one and get to day 30 and say, here, here you are, Mr. Client or Mrs. Client. Here's your finished project. And they, they look at us with a frown on their face saying, well, that's not what I asked for. But we haven't engaged with them all the way through the process. So, yeah. again, another key point is continuous communication, keeping the door wide open, but being, being brutally honest at the same time. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, it's brilliant. What, what would you say would be um, th- the main thing that people have to – consider what would be your your biggest piece of advice for, for people when they're thinking about either designing a new website or, or redesigning an existing website what what should they keep at the, at the forefront of of their mind again to kind of hark back to the kind of uh, old-fashioned business owner remember that your shop window is now electronic uh, and your shop window yeah. for your clients not for you um, most business owners tend to have websites built for their own gratification so it reads for them it ticks all the boxes for them, but it invariably doesn't have a, a customer journey in it at all. Um, oh, oh. No, it's okay. D- David, you continue. You continue. <laughs> That's not my <laughs> end. No, you absolutely um, – I've got one question I want to ask at the end anyway, so, so carry on. <laughs> no problem. So, yeah, so the shop window must be for the clients and not to satisfy the directors or owners of a company. You know, be as detailed with the scope as you can, and that will directly translate into how quickly that website can be created for them. Um, so it's not to waste time. A, a key element really there is, as I say, thinking about the client journey uh, and making sure that you've ticked all those boxes. Perfect, perfect. And the, uh, the, the killer question to end on, um, what's, what's your favorite app? See, that's a tough one. It's so difficult to try and find a favorite because I, you know, I, I actually, before this call, I thought I'd just double-check how many apps I actually have on my phone. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, I've got 190. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I've got to be honest, I use a majority of them quite often. Wow. Um, but a favorite, I would say, um, something like Google Maps or Waze for navigation. If you link that yeah. to Apple CarPlay today, it's so simple, it's exceptional. Um, it's so underrated as far as that's concerned. But one for me, going back to the point at the very start about to do simple, you've got to do very complex. I would say a banking app. Any bank today, we use them every day. Yeah, um, they're massively underrated. 
They are incredibly simple the user interface to use. A few years ago, you could you only had to go into the bank to pay in a check or anything else. Now you can do it on your phone through your app. Um, that's exceptional complexity for what is an ease of use system on the front end. So you know, between those kind of two things, I would say. I love it. I love it. Well, you, you, you'll have made Jamie, um, our head of marketing, very happy uh, with your note around maps. Her partner, Andrew, is a huge fan of maps to the point that they, they've been away before. And Jamie can edit this out if she wishes, but they've been away before. And uh, Andrew will go, I've been here. And Jamie will go, have you? When did you, be, when did you come here? And, and Andrew will go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been here on maps. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie would be, Jamie, be delighted to know that. Be delighted to know that. But anyway, David, thank you ever so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and speak to us. Um, and, I, and I wish you and Source Code all the very best for the future. That's great. Many thanks for your time, guys. So thank you for joining us, guys. Thank you for listening. This was episode 12 of What's Going Swan. Uh, I'm sad to say this is actually going to be our last episode. Um, as with everything, all good things have to come to an end. Um, reason for it, though, and excitingly, is we are really focusing on our video content. Um, hopefully, you've all checked out Swan TV with the amazing guests that we've had over the last few months. We're going to be expanding on that. Uh, Amy, with her wonderful energy know-how, is going to be presenting the marketing know-how via video format moving forward. So we're going to have Swan TV with much more of an energy focus. We're going to be speaking to some people within the sector and having them on Swan TV, along with all the other interesting guests that I've had over the last few months. So this is the last podcast. Um, we've really enjoyed coming to you guys. Thank you to everyone who has listened, uh, whether it be once or regularly. Um, and we really hope that you do continue to check out Swan TV, where all this content uh, that we've got here on this podcast will be available uh, via video format, and hopefully in a more engaging way for you all. Um, if, however, you know you feel you're going to miss the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can, you know, pop us a message at hello at indigoswan.co.uk. Uh, if there's stuff that you've loved, stuff that you'd love to see more of, then we'd love to hear from you. If not, then that's fine. Uh, we look forward to checking out Swan TV. Uh, be available on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all the other social media channels. Um, and like I say, all this content will be available through that medium. But yeah, for myself, uh, thank you very much. To Amy, thank you very much for all the information that she's that she's brought on a monthly basis. To Alex, who was with us at the beginning, um, he brought a lot of personality. Uh, and obviously to Jamie, who you don't hear from, but has done a fantastic job editing this podcast over the last year. Uh, we feel it's the right time to bring it to a close. But like I say, I really hope you you join us on Swan TV moving forward, where, like I say, this content and much more will, will become available in video format. Thanks very much, guys, and uh, speak to you soon.